We're going to read from Proverbs 16. If you have that in your Bible and you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Scripture this evening. And to me, this speaks directly to the subject that we're talking about tonight. Verse 1 says, The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And then verse 4, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We pray, God, that you would... Bless as we study it. Help us to learn from your word. Help us to apply your word, to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Father, we know that you have, you've given us your word, that it might be a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, that it might guide us, that it might shape us and change us and we pray that tonight that would take place, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So as I talk about this um, situation we've been dealing with, which is getting much better, we're thankful. I'm so thankful that restrictions are being lifted, and whatever you think about the vaccine, I'm thankful that a lot of people feel safer because they've had it, and um, more and more things are getting back to normal, though I don't know that if we'll ever be completely back to normal. But everybody's been touched in different ways. My wife and I and, and uh, had big plans in December for our 50th anniversary, and um, that did not happen, which saved me some money. <laughs> All things work together for good, right? Um, but you know, you plan make these plans for things expecting that it's gonna happen. And our people, I think most of them at least, are very well aware of this. But many missionaries have been impacted. Missionary trips have been canceled. Mrs. Moore in March was going to go with a group um, to uh, Ireland on a mission trip. Had been planned. Everything was good to go. And last March, and it had to be canceled. Many other trips. Missionaries who intended to be on their foreign field have spent an entire year, an unplanned year in America because they can't get out of the country. Others who are in the foreign country who need to be home can't get home, have waited for over a year. A missionary that we support went to London from Pakistan, it's where he serves, went to London to visit a family member and got stuck there, separated from his wife and children for a long time. I'm just telling you, you know, if, if you're one of these people that thinks, well, there's nothing to it and nobody's really affected by it, you live in a different world than a lot of people live in. I think we ought to be conscious of that. And so it's caused a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety. And of course, tonight we're going to talk about... Um, Eric and what's her name, um, Mackenzie, <laughs> because their wedding was supposed to be a year ago today. It wasn't on a Sunday. It was going to be in the church, a big, a big deal, and friends and family were coming from a lot of places, 
and the dress was ready, the decorations, the props were built, the photographer was secured, and we talked a lot, Eric and I and Mackenzie, about what to do. Do we go ahead and have it? Do we postpone it? Add to the mix? Eric was about to go to begin his um, training at the um, Missouri Highway Patrol um, Academy, and that would be six months of his life, is that right? And, um, and so all these things had to be considered, and so, um, so yes, the question, I asked the question, could ask the question, why make plans? Why should you even make plans, you know? Is it vain to plan? And we're going to look at the scriptures tonight for a few moments to look for answers to that question. And we begin in this verse 1 of chapter 16 where it says, The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So tomorrow uh, we're having a prep day in the kitchen here, preparing foods, preparing th well, how we're going to feed these people over the next several days. So the word prepare means you're thinking ahead. It's you're planning for something. We're not just going to show up Tuesday night and say, God, would you send food down here for all these hungry preachers? You know, that might work for your kids, but it don't work for hungry preachers. So, so we make plans. Pre the pre so, so preparing ahead, thinking ahead is biblical. It's not just something man came up with. It's something the Bible teaches us about. The word means to arrange things in your mind. Now keep in mind that they may not always develop the way you arrange them in your mind, but that's what we're supposed to do. When we begin a service here, we have a basic plan for how the service is supposed to go. And we know that God, here's the great thing about planning biblically, God can actually help us make plans. This verse, look what it says. The preparations, the planning ahead, the thinking ahead, the, think, the process, the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, God can help us as we're making plans. God can work in our life. God can work in our thoughts. Um, so... Here's a, here's a good a bit of encouragement, and I'm, and I, I'm, very, I'm experiencing this uh, right now in our life, and that is this. As we seek to make plans, God can actually help us. That's what this verse is telling us. God can help us make plans. So planning is biblical. It's endorsed, really, by the Word of God. Uh, we're going to come back here to Proverbs 16, but go to the right, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 24. And verse 27, see if this doesn't say the same thing in a different way. Proverbs 24 and verse 27, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. In other words, if you're going to build a house, you don't start by just putting two two-by-fours together, you know. You plan it. Prepare your work ahead of time. Make it fit for yourself in the field. Make sure it's going to work together. And then after you've done that, you build the house. So again, when I read that, 
It's telling me before you build, you ought to have a plan. You ought to be making plans. You ought to be preparing. And, and I can, you know, we can relate to this as a church. There's only God knows how many hours, many, many hours have already been invested in this conference that ha- doesn't start for two more days. Planning and getting ready and preparing things. I mean, many, many, many hours. Planning is biblical. A New Testament verse, Luke chapter 14, if you want to look there with me. Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Jesus is teaching about really discipleship, about a life of following him, about making decisions about the way we're going to live. And he says this, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, have a budget for it, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Isn't that biblical? God gives us these instructions. So if you're a person that just... Um, what we used to call fly by the seat of your pants, basically. You know, you don't plan anything. You don't organize anything. You just take off without, you know. Um, I think everything ought to be planned. We plan vacations. Uh, I use that word we loosely. We plan vacations and we, you know, we, we, we want to, and it don't always work the way we plan. We'll get to that in a moment, but planning is a good thing. By the way, I believe I can say this with confidence. God is a planner. God thinks ahead. Wouldn't you agree with that? This is what it says about Jesus. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, before man was ever made, God had a Savior already. He planned that a lamb would be slain even from the very foundation of the world. Tell me that's not planning. Not thinking ahead. Not looking ahead. Jesus came to this earth, whether anyone realized it except for the God at the time, but Jesus came to this earth on God's calendar. Just exactly when, it says this in Galatians, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son at the precise moment. So we're to plan. Can we agree with that tonight? We're to, we're to make plans. But... Here's where the rub is. Our plans are not always in agreement with God's plans. That doesn't always happen that way. Um, Look what it says in our text. We're back to Proverbs 16, if you'd look back there. Proverbs 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Look in verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Have you ever noticed how often we think that what we think is right? It's amazing. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. It it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense. That's why marriages always are so smooth and perfect is both of them always agree about everything, right? Almost. So, every one of us think we're right. But I've got news for you. None of us are always right. Even though we may think they are. 
Because something seems right, we're talking about making plans. Because something seems right does not necessarily make it right. And this is something that we may not always uh, put into the equation. But we should not expect God to bless our plans if our plans are not in agreement with His plan. We shouldn't get upset with God or angry with God or offended with God or bitter toward God because His plans are different than our plans because we should all agree that God knows best. So our plans may not always always agree with God, but look again in verse 2, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Everything that I think is right, seems right to me, but God weighs the spirit. God is able to work in our life to show us what's really right, to show us if this is just me or is this really God? And that, some people may hear this and say, well, that's just too complicated. Listen, God, we need to understand as believers, as believers, our goal is to please the Lord. Our, the purpose of our life is to bring glory and honor to God. It's not to fulfill our dreams. It's not to accomplish our, what we want. It's to accomplish what God wants. And whether we can all agree with this or not, all our thinking does not always agree with God's, but we want God to work in our life. We want God to change our thoughts and our plans. So, it's, so, so far we've seen it's a mistake to go through life without making plans, but it's also a mistake to leave God out of our plans because he wants to be included in our plans. So basically, we're to make plans trusting God. Look in verse Three, it says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. For as long as I can remember as a Christian, that verse has been very precious to me. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. And that's something. If we'll really put the word commit means to roll over on, put it over on God. Commit your works to God. Put it in God's hands. God, I'm trusting you with this. I want you to have your way. And he says if we do that, our thoughts will be established. God can actually work in our thinking. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's a great promise to me that God can do that. And so we're to put it all in God's care. I... I, I my takeaway from this verse, verse 3, is the more that we can be surrendered to God, the more we can be trusting God, the more we can be put our life in God's hands, the more we're looking to God, more, the more we'll be able to see His will. This is what God wants. It's a blessing sometimes when we're going out in, off in a direction and God lets us know that's not a good direction. Isn't that a good thing when that happens? Sometimes we go off in a direction and God has to somehow do something to let us know this is not what he wants us to do. So I believe one of this, we're talking about making plans. I think one thing that stands in the way of, of discovering what God wants is when all we're going on is what we want. 
So God promises to establish our thoughts. He can work in our minds. He can work in our hearts as we, or as we work in Him. And, and it's amazing how God can use this. Again, that, that does not mean that everything comes to our mind, we can expect God to bless it. That's not mean that at all. You've got to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. But there's a very interesting verse of Scripture. I'll give you an example. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says this. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now think about that. Um, why would anybody want to be a preacher, a, a pastor? The bishop's a pastor. Um, if any man desire the office of a bishop, a pastor, he desires a good work. The word desire means to set your heart upon something. And I say all that to say this because God can actually work in your desires, right? God can work in your thoughts. God can work. doesn't mean everything you think, though, is what God wants. Uh, I was thinking as I was preparing this message about a verse in Acts that talks about Moses. And it says this in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 7, I believe, when, when Moses... When Moses was about 40 years old, it came into his heart. That's the exact language of, of the verse in Acts. It came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. How did, it, how did Moses get inclined in that direction? It came into his heart. You know why it came into his heart? Because God was working in his life. God was working in his heart. So there's a difference in doing what we want or what we think is best and letting God work in our, in our hearts according to his will. You're in Proverbs 16. Look down a little further into that chapter to a famous verse, verse 25. Talking about how our thoughts work. And it's this. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we can't go with what we just naturally think. But if we'll put it in God's hands, if we'll roll it over on the Lord, if we'll, if we'll put it in the... Put it, at the feet of the Lord, we can expect God to work in our lives and work in our minds and work in our circumstances to help us know what he wants us to do. And again, I just want to take a moment and, and just um, think about this because all of us make decisions all the time. What, ca what car we're going to buy, what, you know, where we're going to work, are we going to go to college, what college are we going to go to? Um, and honestly, the, the, the majority of the world, the people who aren't saved or the people who aren't really serious about following the Lord, they just go out and do what they want to do. They just go out and do what they think's best. And I'm here to tell you, young people, I hope you're listening, there's a better way than that. That's not the best way. The best way is to look to God. The best way is to depend upon God. The best way is to ask God for direction. The best way is to put it in the Lord's hands. Would you show me, Lord, what you want me to do? Would you show me whether you want me to go to college or not? Would you show me which college you want me to go to? And when I'm old enough to get married, these girls, when you get old enough to get married, when you're about 35, then you can start thinking, God... Is it time for me to be thinking about getting married? <laughs> Just kidding, of course. You should think about it when you're about 33. No. <laughs> we ought to be asking for the Lord's direction. Now, now I'm going to get to something else in a moment. I'm, I'm working my way toward it. 
But this is all preliminary, should be, about making... I'm not saying you have, to, you have to pray and fast in the morning about whether to have two eggs or three. Just have three. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Should I have, you know, a, should I have raisin bran or should I have frosted mini wheats? I mean, you don't, you don't have to pray about everything you do, but I'm talking about decisions that are going to have an impact on your life. We can waste a lot of time doing what we want to do, and it may not be what God wants us to do at all. So let's learn from the Scripture. The preparation is the heart in man, thinking about it, thinking it through, praying about it. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. All these things can make a difference. But then what if we make plans, and this gets back to our conference being canceled and missionaries who were stranded here for a long period of time or people who had, you know, family reunions or weddings and all these kind of things. And I'm sure a lot of times we pray about it, you know. We think about it. We pray about it. What if your plans don't work out? Because sometimes we make plans believing we're doing what God wants and it doesn't go according to our plan. And that's really, to me, where faith comes in. Because we have to trust God, that God knows what's right. We have to trust that God is in control. And that's not just a cliche, it's reality. We need to trust that God knows what is best. Look in this fourth verse. I haven't read that again, but look in chapter 16 of Proverbs in verse 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Now that's a great verse because it says God can use anything. God can, God can use all things for himself. God can even use evil things for his good because our God is victorious. He always wins. God can... God can do that. God can, you know, this, this falls under the category of God's providence. The unseen hand of God that we can't know or understand. And God can use even bad, God can take things that have been done in the wrong time, in the wrong way, and by God's grace, he can make good come out of them. You know, my wife and I have enjoyed a wonderful marriage and a life of service to the Lord. But we didn't start right. We weren't seeking God about who to marry. She just fell head over heels in love with me. Love at first sight. She was smitten. <laughs> no, I was smitten. <laughs> we didn't seek God about our marriage. We were wrong. Don't ever look at us and say, well, look, they didn't seek God. They didn't do the right thing. They didn't do it the right way. Look how God blessed their marriage. No, God didn't bless our doing wrong. God blessed our repentance and our heart to get right with God and to serve God. That's what God blesses. But we should have sought the Lord. So the point being, you know, even God can even take, and for any of us, our un our unguarded, unguided, carnal decisions, and, and God can take those because he's such a great God and work them out for good, work them out for his own purpose. Did we do right? No. 
Did we do what God wanted us to do? No. But God took our mistakes and he used our failings for something that could glorify and honor him. Why? Because God can be trusted with our lives. It's not about our planning alone. It's about God. God can be trusted. And that's really what all this is about. If you make plans and you go in a certain direction and you it doesn't go the way you thought it should go, but God has got a purpose and a plan. You know, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about three different words, and I just want to talk briefly about each one of them. The first one is fate, F-A-T-E, fate. Because some people put a lot of stock in fate. Here's Webster's Dictionary of the word fate. It means the will or principle or determining cause by which things in general are believed to come to be as they are or events to happen as they do. A secondary definition, an inevitable and often adverse outcome condition or in. In other words, it just happens because that's the way it was meant to happen. But we don't believe in fate. Another word is luck. Luck. A, a definition, one definition of luck is a, a force that brings good fortune or adversity. That's, that's encouraging, isn't it? A force that brings good fortune or adversity. But Christians don't base their lives on fate or on luck. A better word, this is the third word I mentioned earlier, is the word providence. The word providence is defined as divine guidance or care. We believe that God is at work even when he's not seen, even when we can't control things. God is at work. We, we believe the Bible. And that means that we believe Romans 8, 28, which says all things, not some things, most things, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. God is working in all things. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, the book of Genesis, Joseph was um, mistreated by his brothers. You remember the story? And all of his brothers were jealous because Joseph was the favorite son of their dad. He showed partiality to his dad. And so the brothers were very jealous, and they went off uh, on a journey tending their father's flock, and uh, were in a place, if I remember right, called Dothan, and uh, one day, Dad uh, sent, Joseph said, I want you to go to check on the boys, take them some food, check on them, see how they're going, and so they hated him, their brothers, the brothers hated their younger brother, so he went and found them. They saw him coming. They conspired against him. And it's a very interesting, fascinating story, but they conspired against him, and they were going to kill him. First of all, they put him in a pit. They were going to kill him, kill their brother. Now, some of you siblings have thought about killing your brother or your sister, but you didn't really mean you were going to do it. But they really meant they were going to do it. And then one of them decided, let's make money off of this deal an entrepreneur among the bunch. 
And so sure enough, they sold him as a slave. And he ended up in Egypt, in the house of Potiphar, a slave. Now, did, did God want them to do these things? Did God lead them? Did God lead them to hate their brother? Did God lead them to hurt their brother? No, they did that. And of course, he ends up, we know the story, he was mistreated in many other ways, not just that. He was lied about, he was, uh, he was falsely accused of immorality, of something uh, that he did not do. He ended up in prison over that. And then he interpreted a dream, and, and, and after he interpreted the dream, they forgot about him and left him there. All these things happened against him. But you know what? When, he, when this brother and him, finally they had the time to talk this thing out, he says, you know what? You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And you know what God was doing? You know what God was doing? Providence means God was working. What God, God didn't want them to do those things, but God was using what they did for his own purposes. And what God was making was, he was making a key man to lead Egypt through this time of great famine. You know why? It's not because Joseph is so great, it's because God is so great. God can be trusted. Now this, the, and God didn't put these things in the Bible just so we can say, wow, wasn't that cool? No, God puts these things in the Bible so we can see, isn't God wonderful? God, God can be trusted. And we believe that God has a purpose and is using all things. God is using all all things. He's using pandemics. He's using um, these health problems. He's using restrictions. God is big enough that he can use all. Do I believe all the things that everybody says about the virus? No, I don't. Because if I believed everything they say about it, I'd believe things that are contrary because they don't always agree. I'm just saying no. But God is above all that stuff. God is. I was give you a, an example in our conference. In our conference, I've been praying about the speakers for our conference. We have 16 speakers, and I've been praying. We've got, I think, about 80 or more preachers that are coming, and we know most of them. And I know I'd love, I'd love to sit and just listen to some of them, all of them preach. You know, Brother Sites mentioned that to me a little while ago before services. Aren't you just looking forward to sitting in here and preaching? And I am looking forward to it. But how do you decide who's going to preach? you got 16 slots and 80-something preachers. I just let my wife make those decisions. We, we do the spiritual thing. We put all their names into a hat, and we pull one out of the hat, and we say, that's it. No, that's not what we do. We pray about it. So one of the per people that I really wanted to preach, I contacted him. He's registered to come. I contacted him and, and said, would you, be, would, would you be able to preach when you come? And he had to let me know that since he registered, something had happened and he couldn't come. Now, I've contacted about, I don't know, not all of them, but most, a lot of them. He's the only one that couldn't do it. But so do I get mad or say, I miss God? No, we make plans. We trust the Lord. If it doesn't work out the way we had planned, we believe that God is working. Maybe because he can't preach, someone else will preach who really has the message that we really need at that hour. Right? I called another person the other day or texted him and I said, hey man, 
Um, would you be willing to preach during, this con- during our conference? This is what he said. He said, I'm sitting at this, in my office right now preparing a sermon for an opportunity just like this that I thought might come up. So I said, yes. God, God is, we just believe that God can be working. And that's, we need to learn this in our own lives, whether it's having a, a flat tire or having a, a job transfer or something that we weren't expecting. We don't look, we just look at it. We ought to be, always be praying for God to lead and God to direct and believing that God is going to use it. And, and if we make plans, trusting God, looking to God, and God changes those plans, we shouldn't be upset with God about it. Maybe God has something better for us. Is that too much to ask? I mean, I think that's what God wants us to do. And I'm not, I don't know, this may not apply to anybody in this room, but it could be that someone's sitting here and you think, I just don't live my life that way. I just get up in the morning and I do what I think I should do, and if I have a chance to pray along the way, I ask God to bless my day, but I don't really look to God for direction. I just want to tell you today, I think God has a better way than that. And and you say, well, I I recently did something. I didn't even pray about it, and it turned out good. Just thank God for it. (laughs) Amen? Thank God for it. You know, when you think about, you know, we're celebrating the resurrection this weekend, and we've been studying in Mark about the life of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. But just look at how God ordered things, even take the person of Christ, for instance. I mean, when... When Mary was very much with child and certainly wasn't in the mood to travel, there was an edict by the Roman government that everyone had to go to their own home area to be uh, for a census, basically. And Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. And, but there's an interesting thing. And so the, the city of David is what? Bethlehem. And the Old Testament said in the book of Micah, hundreds of years before this, the Old Testament said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, how's God going to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth, way up into Galilee, down through Samaria, into Judea, east of Jerusalem, to the city of Bethlehem? You know what he did? He used a pagan, heathen king to get his will accomplished. And I'm sure there were people saying... That Caesar, who, of all the nerve to tax us, I mean, that, that wicked, wicked ruler, he doesn't even think about us. That, you know, that's, I'm sure that's what's being said, but you know what? God was using what he was doing to get his will accomplished. Is that right or wrong? That's, that's God's providence. That's how God works. And we see that 
how God can use a wicked king. Now, it's good for us because in America, we've never had a wicked ruler. God can even use wicked kings to get his will accomplished. And so many things about Jesus' life. We just studied a few weeks ago about how Jesus was so beaten and bruised and and tortured that he couldn't even carry the cross. But there was a man there from Cyrene, from Africa, that happened to be in Jerusalem for Passover, who happened to be where Jesus was, I'm sure, falling under the weight of the cross, who by the providence of God was there to help Jesus carry the cross. You know what? I would think that man would forever be impacted by what happened to him that day. Wouldn't you? I helped carry the cross of the Savior. We talked the other day about Joseph of Arimathea. He, I'm, 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 I can, am as certain as you can be without having been there, but I'm, I'm sure when he purchased this sepulcher, this, this tomb, when he purchased that, he wasn't planning on letting Jesus use his tomb. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with that. He, he, he was a rich man. He bought this tomb. He plan, and, and he's planning for his family there. And, but you know what happened? We just kind of reiterate. When Jesus died on the cross, and if you were not here or you're a guest, didn't, didn't hear this message, when Jesus died on the cross, as many thousands of people as he had helped, as much family as he had, Distant relatives, disciples, friends of disciples, family of disciples. When Jesus died on the cross, there wasn't one person who was available to take his lifeless body off the cross and care for him. But a rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus And you know what? Hundreds of years ago, this was written in the prophecy about the Messiah with the rich in his death. What a coincidence. Tongue in cheek. What a coincidence that a rich man would have, just happened to have a sepulcher, a tomb for Jesus to be buried. All I'm saying is, We can trust God. We should trust God. When we don't get what we thought we should, when our plans don't come out as according as they planned, I I I can just tell you this. Sometimes, every once in a while, occasionally, a plan that I lay out works just like I thought it would. But those are the exception and not the rule. Right? Right? Everybody that I've ever talked to in the construction field would agree with this. It usually costs more than you thought and takes longer than you planned. But you know what? We trust God. We're trusting God. It's, It's not about our will. James taught us to pray this, not our will. He says this, don't say I'm gonna go into such a place and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy and sell, I'm gonna get don't say that. Don't say, I'm sure this is going to work out. Don't say that, James says. Say this, if the Lord wills, if God is willing, that'll work out. I think when it would be wise for us when we make plans to put some 
what I would call God room. Build some God room into your plan. God, this is what I'm planning, but I want you to interrupt at any point and change our direction at any time that you think it would be best or proper because I know that's what God would want us to do. So we come back to where we started, and that is this. God is into planning. God is an organizer. God makes plans, and he wants us to make plans, not just once or twice. Many times in the Bible he tells us, do this, do this. The preparation of the heart and man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God will work in you and help you in making your plans, but always understand that your plans may not always be according to God's plans. And um, I, I've honestly, I marvel at how people do well without really thinking things through. I'm, this, is, this is a fault of mine. I, I have a tendency to really spend a lot of time trying to make big decisions, like where we're going to go eat. You know, it's a big that's a big decision. But you know why I do that? It's not just because I'm procrastinating. It's because I really want to weigh it and give God room. If I'm fixing to make a major purchase, if we're going to do something with a home, if we're going to buy a car, I, don't, I want God to lead. I want, you know, my car, the car may blow up in a day or two, but I want it to be something I've prayed over and trusted God for. You know what I'm saying? I think that we ought to live that way. I think that's the way God wants us to live. And when he interrupts, like he's interrupted so many things, let's not let it ruin our perspective. Let's not become cynical. Let's not say that it's not biblical to plan. Let's not, let's not give up on God. Let's understand that God is working and God is good and God is almighty and God can work all things together for his good and for our good and for his glory. And I think that's what God would want us to do. So, a practical lesson about something that is right on the table today. So I want to encourage you to do this. We're going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to encourage you to do this. If this is kind of the way you try to live your life, just say, Lord, I'm, thank you for reminding me about this. this is, I want to stay on the path. If this is kind of new or foreign or different, would you be willing to say, God, if, if I should put more thought and prayer into making decisions like we've heard tonight, then I want to start doing that. I want you to lead. It may not always be the way you would think. No offense. None of, no offense. I, I love this town, this great city we live in, St. Clair, Missouri. It's a vacation spot destination, bucket list for many people. But when I came we we flew in here in a little private plane living in, from living in the suburbs of Dallas in a very nice area. And when I saw this place, I thought, what? God, what are you doing? Really? I'm not, being a, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I'm just thinking that wasn't what I had in mind, really. But you know what? Um... We have to trust God. We have to make decisions trusting God to lead us, right? Pray about it. And if I knew anything, ever knew anything, I knew that God wanted us to come here. And I'm glad we did. So we ought to pray and trust the Lord.
Let's bow our heads together, okay? With our heads bowed, let's think about this tonight. God, I want to, I want you to lead in my life. I want you to help me in making decisions. To make decisions and make plans. Trusting you to lead. Trusting you to guide. Would you just do that tonight? Father, as we pray tonight, I want to thank you for the word that we've looked at tonight and for the principles of your word that guide us. And Father, it's one thing to put together a sermon and think about the principles and the verses that lead us in these matters. It's another thing to live this. And Father, you know me better than I know myself, and you know that like any of us, I can get frustrated when things don't work out and wonder what's going on and why it's happening. But God, help us as your children to rely upon you, to rely upon your leadership, to rely upon your guidance. God, I pray especially for young people here tonight that some of this would sink into their heart. I pray for moms and dads who are raising children, raising families. God, teach us your ways. Teach us how to let you lead and guide. I pray for that. 